G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. This is not just light language. This is a hard sermon to preach. And the reason is because I love you. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, Pastor Jeff's speaking to us from Matthew chapter 13 about where we're sitting in our spiritual journey. His message is called The Four Chairs. Every single person in this room fits in one of four categories, each category represented by these chairs. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Well, welcome home, everybody. If you have your Bibles, turn into Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13, 18. We're in a series called Welcome Home, and we're talking about... uh, the special relationship we have with each other in a place like this, God's new community in the world. And while you're turning to Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 18, I want to, I want to ask a question. Uh, and I just want to say from the get go, this is a hard sermon to preach. Okay. And the reason is because I love you. And you know, when I say that what's coming now, when I take you through this, I want you to remember that I am in no position to judge anybody. So I'm asking you to judge yourself, to do some self-evaluation, because this is not just light language. It is a matter of eternity. It really matters what you decide by the end of this message. Now, have you ever known anybody to live at home, but not really be at home? Okay. And what that means is, uh, you may be like the fact that you have a warm bed and a nice bedroom and you have free food and your parents buy you clothing. You like that, but you don't like having to do the things the family requires to be part of the family. And you definitely don't like living under the authority of the father. Was that any of you when you were growing up? All of us to some degree. I mean, who likes rules, right? Now, I have a younger brother, and I still have a younger brother by the name of Tony, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me doing this. Tony is interesting. He's the most athletic and most artistic of the four Vines boys. Uh, When he was in his late 20s, he actually wanted to have a career change, so he just decided one day to buy a video that instructs you how to make guitars out of just a block of wood. And he got so good at it that he is now one of the top five luthiers, that's what you call a guitar maker, in the United States. He goes every year to San Francisco to the guitar show. His guitars are beautiful. They're called Vines guitars, and a lot of them are played by country music stars. Here's an example of one of his his guitars. Uh, Actually, uh, (laughs) actually, I'm just kidding. That's one I tried to make. His guitars are fabulous, and uh, you don't really want to buy a guitar from him because they start at around seven to $8,000. They're made of wood from places like New Zealand, all through Europe, but he is quite famous. Now, the thing about him is that even though he was athletic and artistic, uh, he's one of these guys, and he would tell you that he liked all the privileges associated with living at home, a free food, nice warm bed, but he was a little rebel. He didn't like living under the authority 
of the father. And he definitely didn't like having to do the things associated with being a family member. For instance, every question he asked would begin with the word why. Why do I have to eat my broccoli? Why can't I have more than one chocolate chip cookie? Why can't, as he gets older, I invite my girlfriend back to my bedroom? Why do I have to be home by 11 o'clock? Why do I have to go to church on Sundays? Why do I have to go on vacation with the rest of the family? So this is somebody who lived at home but really didn't buy into the home situation. So let's place that over here. Now, the second thing I want to ask you is what did Jesus talk more about than any other thing in the New Testament? And of course, the answer is the kingdom of God. And he said, the kingdom of God was so wonderful that when you find it, you're willing to go sell everything you have that you might take possession of it. He says, the kingdom of God is so wonderful that you're willing to live your life for its purposes, for the kingdom of God coming to fruition in your life, to abandon, to die to yourself and live for another purpose, another reason. He said, the kingdom of God is so wonderful that when a person really understands it, they realize that their security, their hope, their, uh, their hopes, their dreams, everything they're looking for, significance on planet earth is found in this kingdom of God that Jesus described as the abundant life. So he said, if you find the kingdom, you find it all. Now, he also said that that sense in you that tells you there's something more, there's a place of beyond, that place comes from God above and it's part and associated with the kingdom of God. And he said that those who choose to live in the kingdom of God now, that make the kingdom of God a reality in their life now, one day when you meet God, he's going to look in your eyes and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, come on in and enjoy the joy and your rest and all your hopes and dreams and everything that you've always known existed does exist and it's right here, welcome, come in. Now, here's the thing. That's where it gets hard. (laughs) As I've gotten older, I meet more people and uh, I meet different kinds of people, especially church people. And as I get older, the beauty of the Bible is that you get out of the weeds and you start to look at big picture stuff and you start to see how everything flows together. And that's why the Bible is an amazing book. And here's what I've learned in my ministry, that every single person in this room fits in one of four categories, each category represented by these chairs. Every single one of you in this room lives in one of these chairs. You might be a chair two person, which I'm going to describe just in a moment. Now, not every chair fully describes you, but there is one chair that you fit most comfortably in. The problem is, as you go through the New Testament, listen to what Jesus teaches, The people who live in chair one, chair two, and chair three have not come home yet. Only chair four are the people who have come home, who are ready to meet God. And God say, well done, good and faithful servant, man, here you go. You moved into the kingdom of God in your everyday life, and now welcome into your rest. Enjoy all the favor of the Father. So the thing you have to do is you've got to judge yourself. Nobody else can do that. Only you really know where you are with God. And God knows. So as I walk you through this, based on scripture, especially the parable of the seed and the sower, I'm asking you to be honest with yourself. Where are you? It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. You ready? All right. Let's go to chair number one. Chair number one is not going to happen first. It's not going to happen because I have a special affinity for people in chair number one and I want to deal with them last. So let's move to chair number two. Now here's chair number two. If you're in chair number two, you believe that God exists. The idea that something could come from nothing is preposterous to you. 
You love uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. You see all of God's handiwork, and you know that because God's handiwork is so evident that all men and women are without excuse. Everyone should believe in God. There's just too much information. That's how you think. Not only that, but you believe in the creative capacity of God. You look around and you see the lakes and the streams and the oceans and the constellations. And to you, that is direct evidence that God is real, that God exists. As a matter of fact, I just saw the movie Everest. Go see it. Based on the real life story of Rob Hall, who was a Kiwi, a New Zealander, who led numerous excursions to the peak of Mount Everest. 33,000 feet in the air is the peak. That's the altitude at which Boeing 747s cruise. Mankind was not meant to exist at that altitude. And so the body starts to break down depending on your physical condition and actually your DNA, your physical makeup. That will depend on whether you get up the mountain and down the mountain. Now you pay Rob Hall $65,000 to take you up there. And his job is to get you up there and back safely. Movie is fantastic. But we mentioned a few weeks ago how if you take Mount Everest and you turn it upside down and you place it in the deepest parts of the ocean that it still doesn't touch the bottom. So 33,000 feet deep in the ocean waters. See, you're the kind of person that you look at the, the majesty of a, of, of a beautiful mountain that needs to be climbed and the ocean depths of the water and the constellations and you're the kind of person that says, man, how could anybody think that God is not real, that God does not exist. But the thing about it is, if you're in chair two, not only do you believe that God exists, you believe that Jesus is a real historical person and had great impact on the world. And you know just enough about that to know that Jesus ought to be taken seriously. And not only that, you believe in the gospel. You actually believe that you are separated from God because of your sin and you need help, you need salvation. And you believe that Jesus somehow on the cross and his work uh, saved you from your sin. The problem with category two The problem with this chair is a very serious problem because you only understand half the gospel, but you don't know that you only understand half the gospel. You understand the whole process of salvation, that you've been separated from God because of your sin and Jesus died for your sins. But what you don't know is the whole idea of sanctification, that the Holy Spirit comes inside you to make you holy. So people in chair two said a prayer at some big convention. And they mouth the words or at Easter or Christmas, they saw people being baptized and they come up and they got dunked. So they feel like they have discovered the secret code for entrance into the kingdom of heaven. They've been looking all their lives in chair two for the minimal requirements to enter into the kingdom of heaven. They found if I just say this prayer or get wet, then finally I am good with God. So that's how they approach God and they live their life in chair two. Never did they have any intention whatsoever of changing the way they live. They found the secret code. Say the words, get dunked, and I'm good with God. Now, here's the problem. And Jesus talks about these people. The problem is they never moved from egocentrism to theocentrism. So they still think that God exists, but he exists for my purposes rather than me existing for his. And so because of that, they struggle in two primary areas. I just finished a book reading, uh, a book written by Phil Yancey, one of my favorite authors, what good is God? And he talks about chair two people. Chair two people struggle with suffering because they're thinking, wait a minute, I became a Christian. I said the words, I got wet. So why is God not helping me in my life? So when suffering comes in their life, they struggle with it because they, they don't get it. Well, what good is God? Then he's supposed to help me get my promotion and help me get the girl, get the guy, help me get the things I really want. God's not delivering. And so according to Jesus, these are the people who don't last very long. They fade away. 
they also struggle with objective morality. See, tier two people, they base right and wrong on the way that they feel. They think that, well, if I feel this way, God obviously made me this way, so it must be right. So they're the kind of person that says, you know what? I'm not happy with my wife. I want another one. God understands that I'm not happy. And after all, he wants me to be happy. So I feel sad. So I need to feel happy. So God will understand that I just leave my first wife and get another one. This is the person that says, if I want to have sex outside of marriage, God gave me these emotions and feelings. Therefore, it must be right. Therefore, I can have sex even though I'm not married. If I want to use my resources for my own aggrandizement, what is that to God? So people in chair two, they think, wait a minute. Nobody said nothing about no service and giving and generosity and sacrifice. Now they believe in God and they believe in Jesus. And they said the magic words and did the magic thing in the magic water. But in reality... Jesus says this about these types of people. He says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 20, the seed falling, that's the word of God, on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. I found the secret code. But since they have no root, they didn't go down deep. They last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. When Jesus says, live this way, no, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Or suffer for my name's sake. No, I'm not suffering. In other words, they want to live with all the privileges of home without buying into home and living under the authority of the Father. This is Today with Jeff Vines and his message, The Four Chairs. It's all about where we're sitting spiritually. Let's continue with Pastor Jeff. All right, that's chair number two. Then you got chair number three. Chair number three, interesting people. You need to know this because they say, whoever they are, that about 70% of us in the church in America live in chair three. This is according to the latest Gallup poll and to all the questions that are asked people who attend church regularly. Chair three believes in God. Again, they believe that the idea that something could come from nothing is preposterous. God exists. They also believe in Jesus. Uh, they believe that God not only exists, but he revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus, you'll find out. Now, this crowd goes a step beyond chair two in the sense that they actually believe that you cannot determine truth on the basis of your emotions. That would be subjective. They believe that truth is determined by the objective word of God. So if you want to know how to live, look at the scriptures. And chair three people actually believe that God is, a, is like a father, that yes, he gives parameters, but he's motivated out of his love for his people. And since he knows what creation is like and how it works, he draws these parameters as delivered through Jesus and the word to tell you that if you live within these parameters, the abundant life is yours. Life is best lived this way. So chair three people, they don't make decisions about morality on the basis of how they feel. They make decisions on the basis of the truth of God's word. You with me? Now, chair three people, they're, they're hard people in the sense that they have a certain mental toughness to them. They actually do believe even in the idea that when you are in the worst position of your life and you're suffering, they see all of that through the shadow of the cross, that even when you're in the midst of incredible difficulty, that God could have you right where he wants you for that time, that he might bring beauty, pattern, and design out of the chaos of your life. So these are some solid people in chair three, but there's a problem with people in chair three. They're not home yet. 
Now, the question is why? I mean, if you believe the right stuff and you believe in a sovereign God and you believe in uh, what is called uh, uh, theodicy or the, the power of pain and suffering and God's ability to bring everything and work everything together for good for those who love God and call according to his purpose, if you trust God, what's the problem? And here's the problem. Here's why they're in chair three, according to the Bible, according to Jesus' primary teachings, because they have divided interests. They actually believe that you can serve both God and the world. They're so, listen, if, if most people are in chair three, would you be humble enough just for a second to listen? Don't turn me out here because this is crucial. People in chair three, they know all the right answers. They know about salvation. They know God. They believe the cross. But when Jesus calls them to die to themselves and live for his purposes, they just won't do it. It's important to this type of person to be respected by his or her peers. Money is important. Possessions are important. Promotions are important. How they look in people's eyes is the most important thing to them. They would never say it out loud, but they have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus clearly says in the book of Revelation that if you're lukewarm like that, if you're neither in or out, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Now, these are the type of people, here's how you know you're in chair three, okay? You know you're in chair three, number one, there's no real desire for you to be here right now. Now, you're here, but you're here because you want to try to get God on your side, and you, somehow you think coming to church is a good thing, and coming to church is a good thing, but your motivation is different. There's a thousand other places you'd really rather be, but you feel like, oh, you know what, I ought to go to church because, you know, it's the right thing to do. People in chair three, they're not really what you call 24-hour-a-day worshipers. They worship on Sunday, but reality is they probably won't worship God the other six days. They probably won't enter into regular devotions and regular prayer time. These are people that really want to, but they never get around to it because they have one foot in the world. And the world requires so much time that they just don't really have the time to get into a group to have accountability partners, to study the scripture, to have a regular quiet time of prayer. Now, yeah, they may pull out their phone from time to time and read a Bible verse, but usually when they're in trouble or feeling down. But to have a life that's described of being with God and devoted to God and trying to get to know God, people in chair three, they want to do that and they'd actually say that it's a good thing. They would, they'd say that's a good thing. But in reality, they just don't have, now they have time for all kinds of other things. They got time for golf. They got time to work out. They got time to spend, I don't know, making the right food so they look the right way. And they got time to do the shopping and have the right clothes. And not all all of these, these are not sinful things in and of themselves. You understand that? It's not wrong to be wealthy. It's not wrong to go after possessions to a degree. What's wrong is when it takes up so much of your time that you have no time for God or little time. So there's no devotions. Again, it's very sporadic and you really want to be, you want to be on the inside, but you just don't have time. Now, Jesus talked about these in John 12. He said, the man who loves his life will lose it while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Thomas Merton says, a man's greatest care should be for the place where he dwelleth longest. Eternity should be his scope. And if you want to know the telltale sign of people in chapter three, here it is. Okay. Here's the telltale sign according to Jesus. This is the gospel according to Jesus, not the gospel according to Jeff Vines. 
The gospel according to Jesus, share three people who are not yet home. They give God the leftovers. Now, get your mind off money for a moment. I'm talking about money. I'm talking about the leftovers of your time. Whatever's left, God may get some of it. But you don't give him the first fruits of your time in the morning, first thing. He may get some leftover uh, talents. Even though God gave you your talents and abilities, you'll use it a little bit and from time to time, but not ultimately. If you want to know, chair three people, you take a look at their lives and you walk around with them all the time. They say the right things and they, they may even live decently, relatively speaking, moral lives. And somehow that gives them assurance that they're good with God because they're decent moral people and they don't kill anybody. Or they don't do drugs or they don't look at pornography. So they think in their mind, they're in chair four. When in reality, they got one foot so steeped into the world, they're vain and it matters to them what people think about them more than it matters what God thinks about them. And you know it to be true by following them around and watching the way they live. Now, then you've got chair four. This is Today with Jeff Vines. And we'll have to leave the four chairs there for today. But I hope you can join us next time to hear about the remaining chairs from Pastor Jeff. You can hear more messages by heading to vision.org.au and then searching for Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.